Welcome to the Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast. Thanks for being here. I am excited for you. You're going to like this podcast interview. I know it because every time I've associated with Christy, it has been inspiring to me. She's very dedicated and passionate about her family, but she also is really passionate about the gospel and has a gift for listening to the spirit. And I'm excited that she's allowed us to interview her for this podcast. And yeah, so Christy, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm so glad you're here. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful that I'm able to be associated with you and all that you do. I'm, I'm grateful for your wisdom and input. I always in, in awe over your wisdom and, um, and information that we've, it's, it's, it's the spirit. That's what we feel. I feel the spirit. Yeah. And, and we need that. Oh, so much. And it's almost like, yeah, you need it in the, in the mess or the, the, the <laughs> movement of your life. Like you need it, but you also need it somewhere where it's like, okay, I just need to connect somewhere. Right. And get yes. a drink and get a drink or something. Right? A drink <laughs> of the spirit. That's right. I love it. Love the analogy. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so you've been in, I know you've taken, tell us a little bit about the things that you've done um, with our company and then we'll go into other stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a history before we go into it. Um, I had a son involved in pornography. We looked into the program years ago and it was not available online at that point. Um, it was just kind of becoming, and then I kind of forgot about it. And then a few years later, um, I had, um, I work with the youth a lot and, and, I'm in Young Women's right now serving, and um, I had a situation where we had a youth in our ward that was struggling, and um, went to the president, talked to him about some things, and he said, "You need to look about this. Look up this this company. It's um, it's it's." He said, "I only know the name of it. It's called Daughters of Light." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Oh, okay. I will look into that, and um, and we'll see if we can get some counseling for her." So. I, um, I called, I talked to several mentors and life coaches, Mm -hmm. got some information, was so excited about it and realized that it was affiliated with like dragons. It was affiliated with the, with the sons of Helaman program. I didn't know that at the time. And so, um, I got really excited about it. And so I started to look into ways that I could better and hone in my skills as a leader, as a mom, as, um, as, you know, um, a wife, just, you know, any way I could help improve myself so that I could help others. And so, um, and so I did that and I read and chose a great mentor. I, I did the, um, eternal warriors program and I really loved that. I thought that by doing that, I could be a mentor with the life, with the Daughters of Light or with the, you know, Sons of Healing program. I didn't understand the logistics of it, but I was all in. And, um, and they were like, well, no, it's a therapy-based program. You have to have gone through that program. So anyway, I, was, I understood, you know, what, um, that I couldn't do that. And then I did some other things on the side with a, a few, uh, some groups, a group, they're amazing that they are mentors and they were opening up a, um, they're doing the, uh, something on the sides. So similar to what you guys are doing, but maybe less specific. They're more general with what their struggles are, what they're helping others to do. And then um, I did that for about eight months. And then I um, called you and said, I need, I want, and you know, give me something. And so you said, come to the mom, the mom power. And I said, okay, let's do mom power. So anyway, so I've been affiliated with a lot of people that you know and that have worked with you and um, that have been great mentors. All of them are amazing. Um, but I have, um, that's kind of my journey. That's my journey. That's, that's awesome. And before that, you're a seeker for sure. Like I am. You, yeah, you, you love to grow. You love to learn. Mm-hmm. And it, it is with this under 
current of, I want to serve. Like I can totally, I totally have got that vibe from you that I just really want to serve and be helpful to other people. And um, mm -hmm. yeah. So tell us a little bit about your family. Okay. Uh, so I'm a mom of five sons. I don't have any daughters. Um, I do have beautiful, wonderful nieces and uh, lots of amazing young women that I get to be around and I love them dearly. I have amazing husband, a great family, not perfect, but I'm grateful that we're all willing to work together to become stronger as a family. And I'm so grateful for that. Each of us have our own struggles and trials. I have a son that's you know, in the Sons of Human program right now. And um, actually, technically, I have two sons um, in the program. But I'm just, I am a seeker. I the, the boys are great. They love to eat. They don't communicate very well. So I've had to... <laughs> I grew up in a family more of girls, so I've had to kind of realign my brain to think more like a male, which is not something I'm very good at. <laughs> um, and um, we love to be together. We love to be outside. We love to be at the beach. We, um, we love the gospel, and um, we, we like to work hard and try and continue to be better. So, I mean, there's more, but <laughs> that's beautiful. And recently I interviewed your husband, Stan mm -hmm. and people who are listening, if you want to go and hear the husband side of this interview, then go look up Stan. I believe he's on our like dragons. Did they fight channel? And this one will probably go on our mothers, who know, channel, but, um, we ran out of time and I just thought, I just really need to ask you, how did you meet Stan? Because you guys were such a neat dynamic couple. I just thought you must've had enough tenacity about you with all those boys and a husband who admittedly said, um, I really need to talk about stuff. It wasn't easy for me, but you know, you must've had enough tenacity about you guys. We are going to figure out how to talk to each other. We are going to figure out how to work together and heal together and say mistakes are okay, but we don't just sweep them under a rug and not look at them. We just are working at life together. Like you must have had some real consistent um, effort there because to do that with your husband, who obviously that's not you know what he was thinking that's my first idea and then with all of your boys as well it was just I thought okay she really stuck to that because that wouldn't have happened like that <laughs> no yeah so a little bit in, a, a little bit of information about my husband so um um we live in the same I mean we live in I grew up knowing him I didn't I didn't date him he was a little older he left on his mission he came back. I was a senior in high school. He says, wow, I noticed you on, you know, when I came off of the airplane and you were at the airport and he says you were holding a recommend, which is just ridiculous because I was not even a little bit interested. <laughs> and so he has to say that to get under my skin. But, um, and so joking. When, when you say the word recommend, are you talking about like a temple recommend? Yes. A oh. temple recommend. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. So it's like, like, marry me. Is that yeah. Like, okay. I'm here and I'm available. Um, and, I, and that is just, if you know me, that is not who I am. <laughs> I'm kind of like strong and, uh, you know, and, and I was young and I wasn't really, honestly, was not interested in finding someone at that point in my life because I had a lot to look forward to. So interestingly, he came home and just real quick, um, there's a, you know, people have a lot of, a lot of, everyone has a story, right? We have a story. He has a story. There's a lot of stories that we've got, but he came home from his mission. He had a pain in his chest. It was bizarre. His mom that night took him to the emergency room. They said it was pneumonia. Anyway, ended up being cancer. So he had cancer uh, diagnosed. I think it was in January or February and he got home in December. 
so he was diagnosed with cancer and went um and 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 that's kind of that was his focus for that next year is treatments and hospital visits and operations and a lot of stuff and if you know him he is a um has been and has become even more so a glass half full kind of person and is willing to take on some of the hardest of the hardest things and not let it affect his testimony or his strength. And that was appealing to me, especially watching him go through the, the cancer. And so that happened for about a year. Our support was great in our area and love and support and prayers and concerns and fasting and all that. When you live in a smaller area, of the church, you know a lot of people. And so you had a lot of, a couple of stakes that knew what was going on, as well as the community. His dad was a college professor. So that was also, you know, in a very large university that we have here. So a lot of support and it was great. Um, and that was even a struggle because I really wasn't the type that was in love with the idea of being in love. And I really had to pray about about being just about my plan. I'm like, this is not my plan to get married at 19 years old. This is not my plan. To make a long story short, we ended up obviously dating and, and getting married, but it wasn't without struggle. It wasn't without trial. and It didn't have anything to do with anything other than me making sure that it was the right thing at the right time. I wasn't one to jump into things real quickly. And at 19, I really did have another life that I wanted to live. <laughs> I wanted to do some other things, but I prayed and, and really got a very strong impression that without question that he was the, he was the one for me. And so, and so it wasn't one of those love at first sights or, you know, and I loved him and I, and I, I loved everything about him. He was everything I wasn't. Um, and, um, but we are good together, and that's really nice. I, from the very beginning, I saw him go through the trial of cancer, and I saw him go through that trial of um, losing hair and dropping a lot of weight, and, and he continued to work really hard in his church calling, and he continued to work really hard in school and had that first semester. And the tenacity and the glass half full kind of person was just, it was one of those things that it, um, drew me to him. And so that, and he's continued to be that way, regardless of struggles and trials. He is a glass half full. That's awesome. Yeah. And when did you notice at your house? Uh, was it something that you had always kind of done? Like, come on, even though we're all these boys and one girl, uh, we're going to talk. Or was it when something happened at your house? that you realize, okay, we've got to jump in with both of our feet and figure this out, how to talk and how to bring stuff out. Or was it the way you were before that? I was probably generally the better communicator in that way. And there were things that happened in our family where I, I grew up with a lot of talk. We just sat and talked. And on Sundays, um, we would sit and talk and the TV wouldn't go on. And we would just kind of we made time to sit and talk and laugh together as a family. And that's what I wanted. And he didn't grow up with that as much as I did. And so I think I probably fostered that more than he did, but he also knew that because of his personality, he also knew that that was something he wasn't good at. And he was willing to allow me to bring that into our relationship and our family and, and wanted it. And so um, the boys, it's been a struggle to try and pull things out of them, but it, but it, um, he has allowed me to do that. And I did, um, in my college path, it was child development and then it was child psychology. So he allowed me to use a little bit of my psychology, you know, information and he allowed me to be more, um, that was my strength and he knew that. He had other strengths that I did not have, but this was, this was something that I had that it was, it was a natural strength for me. And so your oldest boy, I know, is one of the boys in, that you mentioned is one of the warriors in our Sons of Healing program. Mm -hmm. And 
so many things you've brought up in our, when you've been participating in our Mothers Who Know meetings, it's obvious that the spirits led you to say some of the things that you've said in those meetings. And a lot of the things that happen in those meetings that are shared are women being very, very honest in the spirit about what's really going on here, you know, mm-hmm. and your ability to communicate just what you understand about a mother's heart and a mother's pain. Mm-hmm. It has so much healing power. Would you mind just sharing, just sharing how you started? Um, yes. Yeah, so at my heart is, my heart is full, but my, my heart is, it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a sorrowful full and it's a joyful full. I don't know how to um, describe it other than to want to relate and, 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 and give hope to others and, um, and also understand that sometimes just sitting in the moment of the sad is hard. And I can relate when I was doing the Eternal Warriors program, I remember thinking, can I be vulnerable? Can I, can I, and I might get emotional and I apologize, but can I share these really difficult things with someone who I don't know? Can I do that? What I didn't realize at the time was that my mentor was going through a really dark time and a difficult time with her own son. And, and she didn't tell me about that until after the class was all over and we talked about it. I am grateful that I learned to be more vulnerable in the moment with the women in the class and the women in the mom power and um, that vulnerability is healing. And in order to relate to others, I had to be vulnerable. And so I, I shared my, a little bit of my story and I will share a little bit of it. I will allow myself to be vulnerable. I said so rather it, people talk to me personally about it by via phone call or email or whatever so that I can help them better in more specific ways. But I had a son, my oldest, and he, he made some choices. Um, pornography was an, an issue for him. He was 12 and it continued the ups and downs of him trying to um, navigate that by himself. And we didn't know that looking back, my perspective has changed but it was like I started to kind of write my little, have these little thoughts of books in my head that one day I'm going to write a book describing what happened in my life, but also what's happening in this time in history where you've got social media and all the things that are coming at everyone. And I likened it to the um, bombing at Pearl Harbor um, and, and, and it's, you know, a devastating part of history and, for the United States. And um, there was war going on and we knew there was war. We're somewhat part of the war, but we're not engaged. And so I felt looking back, that's kind of how I was. A bomb went off and my ships were being destroyed and sunk everywhere. Um, my children, my family. And, and at the time I didn't understand how to navigate that. And so it continued. Um, and then a few weeks after he was uh, 18, we got a phone call and then my world ended, I thought, with um, information that that would that have legal that might would have legal implications of things, based on some of the things he was doing, acting out, and things like that. And um, my my world ended. It ended, and I and I say that because it ended. My beautiful calling, my wonderful relationship with my husband, my my family, the way I knew it. Um, it all was gone, and I didn't, um, I thought I was strong. I thought I had done everything I was supposed to do. I thought that I had, I had been good. I had been faithful. I had um, done everything that I thought that I knew. But now looking back on things, my perspective is different. I know that Heavenly Father knows that a bomb just went off in not just my home, but in society. I know there is mercy and justice because he knows we didn't know what to do. Thank you for saying that. That is so good. 
and so looking back on where I am now, which has been, which is several, it's been eight, nine years ago. Um, I'm in a different place than I was in the middle of really, really dark and fetal position in my closet on the floor and not knowing how to move and go to the next level and really concerned about my whole family. Um, but, um, but there is hope and there is healing and there is five, all five wonderful, amazing sons who all continue to work hard and continue to know that the gospel is true as long as they continue to try and put faith in Heavenly Father. And that's also an, another thing that I think this generation has problems with is faith. They have to have faith to know the Lord has a plan. They have to have faith to know that they can be healed, that things can change, that miracles can happen, that forgiveness can come. And it is line upon line. It is not all at once. It is a little, it is, it is one section maybe at a time. But that's, you know, and I, and I did things that helped me feel better. I had wonderful friends that were kind and loving. Yeah. So with, before you get into the things that you did to feel better, what was it that, like when you said, my world stopped. Mm-hmm. And then you also said that, like, literally you found yourself thinking all the stuff that had so much value that you cared and put so much of your heart into just went away. You mentioned my marriage, my sons, mm-hmm. my steward as a mom, and, and that it was so bad that you felt like I am done and felt broken in mm-hmm. your closet. Like literally I'm in fetal position in my closet. I just want to point out here because some people say, what is mama trauma? When I bring that up, mm-hmm. what, what is mama trauma? Like, is that really a thing? And that is a mm-hmm. thing. That's mama mm-hmm. trauma. It's when, mm-hmm. when everything just blows up mm-hmm. and all, cause moms, we do, we care so deeply and put so much hard work into what we do. And it's all connected to our desire to love God and serve him. And so it's so much interconnected so that when something blows up, there's so many things that make no sense. So what was it that you were feeling really other than my whole world stopped? What maybe some of the thoughts you might've been having that other moms could relate to when you say, so they'd be like, Oh oh, yeah, I have heard that one. And that's so similar to what I was feeling. Like what are some of the things you felt about being a wife about being a mom still of all those boys and when that bomb blew up at your house and you just thought done yeah good question I goodness it's been a really long time so I have to go back and dig into those dark emotional feelings that are hard but I felt of course I felt um, I failed of course I felt that and I I felt I should have known I am smart I am, I walk into situations everywhere I go with my eyes wide open. I'm not naive. I question things. How could I have missed it? I, um, I felt um, broken as a wife. I felt, and it wasn't our relationship. It was my perception of myself that now it's broken and now it has to figure out how to function in a relationship with my husband and I'm broken. How do I myself and still allow him to be a part of my life? And I had to figure that out and continue to trust him because all these things that you, that you feel, all the emotions that you feel are coming at you very quickly and, and very confusing. And Satan does a really good job of really going there very quickly with, with your deepest, darkest, you know, insecurities. He, 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 he does such a good job of it. I mean, he's like perfected it with me. <laughs> he has perfected it. But I felt, how do I give him what he needs when I can't give myself what I need? Um, how do I give my children what they need? How do I give love and compassion to my son who, you know, has this, you know, pornography issue? And, and how do I, 
how do I, how do I navigate this? And I shut down. I shut down. I did for quite a while. I was, had to have therapy. I went, I had to, I had to process things with my family. I had to process things with my husband, my son. I had, I had refine myself and refine happiness, but I was broken in every sense. I always prided myself in being someone that was strong, that was, you know, nothing could shake my testimony in the gospel. Nothing could shake my, my, my foundation for my family, my love. When he, when Satan hit, he hit hard and he didn't just hit my son. He hit the family. And I do remember my husband saying at one point, he gathered all of us around and he said, you know, he put all a circle kind of back to back and we had a family home evening and he's, and, and then he pulled one of the kids away and there's a hole in that circle where that child isn't there. And he said, okay, we've got one down. We've got, we've got, we've got a man down. How are we going to keep this family knit together? How are we going to keep this circle together and yet go and minister to that, that, that one that's down? How are we going to do it? And we just had to keep getting up and we had to just keep fighting. And we had to, I can't tell you how many times I watched the good things to come. The, that, the Mormon message that Elder Holland, um, it, it was an excerpt taken from his talk, but I listened to it thousand times because I needed good things to come. It was so dark. It was so difficult. And I needed good things to come. I needed to look for good. But it was hard and I and it took me a long time. It did not happen in a week or a day, I mean a month or a, a year, honestly. It took it took time to heal. And I am stronger and better, but I still feel sad. Um, and I, and I, and I'm okay, but that's okay. That's okay to feel sad. It's okay. But, um, I just have to remember I can feel sad, but then I need to get back up because if I sit and I'm sad, then another man might go down in my family and I'm not going to let it happen. If I can educate myself, empower myself, strengthen myself to the best that I can, then we'll be okay. But it was a really hard, dark moment. Thank you for sharing. Just a little clearer picture of that, because I think a lot of moms, we all feel like, well, I should be stronger than this when things are hard. And for me to go down or get extremely wounded myself, when somebody else has the wound, Mm-hmm. They're the one bleeding out. Like I'm supposed to be helping them. Right. But we feel so broken ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it looks almost like going through the motions, forcing ourselves to go through motions that our heart's not into anymore. Right. That's right. And that, and that is the case. That was the case very much so. I kind of was ro- a robot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, so tell us what are some of the things that helped you get out of that place? Simple things. I journaled, but I journaled, I call it a burn journal. I burn journaled. I journaled and I wrote down really bad, ugly words. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down really bad things. I wrote down really awful, hateful. I wrote down bad. I just wrote. And sometimes it was days. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. Sometimes it was short phrases. Sometimes it was one word. Sometimes it was paragraphs. It just depends on where my mind and my thoughts were. I, but I had it out instead of holding it in. So I journaled. Um, I journaled. I had to keep it separate because I didn't want. I didn't want the memories. Um, the, the dark memories will be there, but I wanted also the memories of the journey and the becoming to be there more than I wanted the negative. So. I was encouraged to just do a burn. I, they didn't call it a burn journal. I'm calling it a burn journal. I haven't burned it yet, but I haven't opened it up again. It's been a long time, but I journaled. I, I did listen to 
as many uplifting Mormon messages as I possibly could. It was at fall time and the holidays were coming and I felt like I needed to continue to swim and figure out how to do something. So I, I watched Hallmark movie channels. <laughs> I, it, was, it was a happy, non-stressful place to be. I know that sounds silly, but I did. I needed an unrealistic perception of perfection at that moment. I needed, <laughs> I just needed it. Um, I, um, I had, I, I did a 30 minute walk or a walk, just something so that I could feel the sun on my face and walk. And it wasn't for exercise. It was for therapy. And so I went outside and I walked. And then I surrounded myself with people that loved me. I surrounded myself with people who um, just loved me. And, um, and I realized in that moment that I didn't need everyone in the world to love me. I only needed a few. And if I have those few, then I'm going to be okay. And so I did just those few things. And I prayed. Obviously, I prayed a lot. And I received blessings. Probably at some point, I received priesthood blessings probably once a week for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Because I was in a dark place. And I was scared. And I had fear. And I did not want to be in that place. I, I didn't like that place. I don't like that place. And so I received priesthood blessings on a regular basis and just kept swimming. As I tell my kids, mm -hmm. just, just keep swimming. Keep swimming. Mm -hmm. The thought that you had of your surrounding yourself with people that loved you and were safe. Were those just your immediate family or were there other people that outside your family that you let into that circle of vulnerability? Good question. I really didn't let my family in. I, I don't, I, it, I, it didn't feel, I didn't want to, I don't know. I, it, those close relationships can feel, um, um, I didn't want to feel like I would let the family down or, you know, we're, we're not like the rest of the family or, you know, we, we, ha we are broken, um, and so I didn't allow that in um, as much. Mm -hmm. um, my parents, I did a little bit, but um, I really, um, it was my other friends, just three or four really close friends would come and say, you haven't been out of the house, it's time to go. Let's, 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 go, to, let's, go, let's go shop at a, you know, we have a salvage store here. Let's go shop at this, let's go see if we can find some, you know, whatever it was. It was just to get me out of the house. Let's go to lunch. You know, I had wonderful friends, you know, it was just, it was a time where I felt there were small specific things that people did that reached out to me. Some of it was anonymous. I got letters in the mail. I got um, movie tickets for my family. Someone sent me movie tickets anonymously to take my family and um, and we went to the movie together. Um, it wasn't that we needed financial, you know, support. It was the thought that that person had to remind me to pull in together as a family. And, and, and I, and I did to the best of my robotic ability. <laughs> 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 the best of your robotic ability that's and and I do think that there's so much grace in that space you know just that showing up space that space of just show up um yeah. it's okay if it looks completely horrible but yeah. you just not completely quitting and showing up I don't think women understand what value that has to show up like a robot for a while. Do you know right. I mean? Yeah. Do what you can do. Well, and don't you think that when you see someone, whatever it is that they're going through, 
as women, we typically notice that there is something wrong and you're not for sure what it is. We just noticed that there might be some that might be a little bit more withdrawn, who, whereas before they were more outgoing and more fun-loving. Um, as women, we notice these things about each other. And I think that as women, when the time is right, we need to allow ourselves to be a little bit more vulnerable in reaching out in love and just saying, you know, I, I have been so much better at that. I pick up on it real quickly. And so I will just say, I've been thinking about you and I want you to know that if you ever need someone, I'm here. Even if you just need to go to lunch or you need to make a phone call or, you know, I love crafting. I will, I will, let's do a craft or I, my, one of some of my hobbies are interior design and things like that. I really love decorating and, you know, and we laugh. And, and so I, I try and be a little bit more aware of other women and their struggles. And I hope that those who are listening um, allow others to reach to them. And then hopefully they will then reciprocate later and reach to others because that's how we're going to heal. And, and that's also how we're going to come together as women and strengthen each other and not judge each other and love each other. Um, um, I, there's something powerful about that. And, um, and this whole perception of my family doesn't have any issues, it's kind of a sad place to be. Because if we put those walls up, then we're not ever gonna allow anybody else to watch us fall and get back up. Those things are inspiring to us. We love to watch each other get back up. We cheer for each other. We're happy for each other. You're on the sidelines and you're watching the race or the war or whatever's going on and you just wanna say, oh my gosh, you can do this. Get back up. We are gonna be here for you. We're yelling for you. We are cheering for you. We have to allow each other to help each other and to cheer each other on. Those are gifts that we can give each other as women. Support in the church, outside the church, wherever we are. As mothers in this world, we have a really hard job. And if we can be each other's cheerleaders and then later on be someone else's cheerleader, but let someone be your cheerleader, let, let them. Let them in as much as you can, but let them in, and hopefully they will find amazing cheerleaders. Yeah. Oh, it's so helpful because it is, it's such a, this arena of having wounds at your house where people are struggling with, you know, sexual self-mastery mm -hmm. and the fallout of that, especially when the fallout of that involves other people outside of your home or family and it, it's affected other people. Yeah. Uh, it becomes so alarming because that's the last thing we would ever want to do is hurt people. Right. You no, know, with our actions, but it just tends to happen because we are in such a big battle. And we, mm -hmm. when we do get in that place of, addiction and confusion and things like that things just go in a direction that they would have never gone in otherwise you know that's the only reason they would even go to a dark place like that but i do yeah. think we tend to isolate so severely oh, yeah. yes because we think well if people think this is going on at my house that is a reflection upon my family upon my parenting it's a it it really sends up this huge smoke signal like don't hang out with the broadheads because they're yeah. scary right you know right so we try to we think the only thing to do is to shrink yep. and isolate yep yep to withdraw completely withdraw from from things and i understand that 
I really do 100% understand that. I, and I understand that, that that circle can be small of support. But as women, I just, I don't know, I feel that we just could just do a little bit better job. And I'm not saying pry. I'm just saying just, just support and love. And because you never know what next door is happening. And keeping secrets doesn't help anybody heal. I mean, and like I said, it, keeping it small is, it was necessary for me. I, I have a small group. I did not go and express it to the whole world, sure. but, um, but I kept it close, but I needed, I needed them and I needed, um, it was a dark, difficult place and scary. And, but you know, my perspective looking in has just changed. People struggle. People struggle with a lot of things mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be sexual self mastery or a sexual addiction or pornography, whatever. It doesn't have to be just those things. We have women on here who have women who are in the daughters of light program who are having issues with self-esteem and self-worth suicide, um, withdrawal, you know, um, just anxiety, depression, all those things. Sometimes we need an outlet too as moms. And so find your outlet. I wish I had known about the group. I wish I'd known about the podcast. I don't think you'd start the podcast until I, you know, two years ago, I learned about all this stuff and I just have been drinking it. But this has been a wonderful, what you're doing, what life-changing services is doing. Um, and what I love to do, you know, I've, I get a lot of phone calls from people who um, want to ask me questions about it, about life-changing services, but also who want to ask questions now about my family, my history, um, our struggles, our trials. And if they are of worth and they genuinely want to know for themselves, then I will be willing to trust that. But I love Brene Brown. (laughs) I don't know if I can use her or not. But I love her analogy of um, you kind of have to earn the trust if you want my whole story. Because I don't want to be judged. But I'm willing to be vulnerable in this way. That's, that's kind of my story. That's kind of my, that's kind of where I'm at right now in my life. Nine years later is that we are moving forward. Yeah. And, okay. and my son didn't find this. I should say this. My son did not find this program until it's just been a few months ago. He found the program. Actually, I found the program. I begged him. I said, if you'll read the book, I'll pay you $20. <laughs> Because I think he's one of those warriors that really would be a great mentor for some for someone or some group down the road. He's got amazing input. He, you know, before we found Sons of Healing program, he had mastered another program. He'd done so well and and graduated, did everything. And so I just said, oh, you'll love this part because this is now the spiritual side of what you get, you know, from the clinical side. And it's merged together. So it's wonderful. And so he has loved the program. Well, the first resource that your son found was more clinically based and not so much spiritually. Not at all. No spiritual. No. They talked about a higher being, but they did not talk about him as God. He was a higher being. Um, He did that for four years and paid every penny of it himself. And when your son found the Sons of Healman program and went for the first time. Um, That story is so sweet. Will you just share that with us? Yeah. So um, he went, he, and he, he, like just even his age is so, so wonderful. Like, cause everybody's thinking sons of healing while he's probably like 18. Oh yeah. No, he's 26. He's 26. Yeah. So he went to that first class and he showed up and his clinician has multiple classes um, and this was not a class that they did online it was a class they met in person he felt like that would be better for him and so he went to his class and he got there and he sat in the parking lot and he started noticing that there were younger kids that were done with their class but they were running around and they were excited and happy and 
teasing each other and chasing each other. And he, he just I, I know how to compute this. And so he goes, finds out, you know, during class, what all the excitement was about. And for that period of time that that group had decided they'd all, you know, won their battles. And that was the a reward was the pizza party. And so these, you got these little ones running around and he just, he got in the car later on and I asked how it went and he's, he began to cry and he just said, mom, I had no idea. I had no idea how strong the spirit was, how powerful a team is. And if I had only had this when I was younger, if I had only had this at 12 or 13, my life would have been different. If I had understood that there were other kids my age struggling, that there were other people who just loved helping kids like me, kids like them. There wasn't shame. They didn't walk out with their heads down. They didn't walk out depressed. They were running around with hope. They were running around and they were happy. He said, I wanted, I was so envious and so excited. And he was really emotional about it and just cried. And, um, and I, and I just, my, my thing was, but heavenly father knew that wasn't available for us. He knows it's available for us now. We did all that we know we could and he knows that. And so blessings will happen. Miracles will come into your life. Wonderful things are going to happen. He knows. Heavenly Father knows. Just have faith that this will all be okay. That's so awesome. Thank you so much, Christy. You have five boys, and boys are awesome. What are some of the things that you have noticed that you tell your boys when they're struggling? or to inspire them to keep trying? What are some of the statements that you use, some of the things that you do? I know you've mentioned to me before, each one of your sons has a different personality, but how have you approached helping them to fight this battle of sexual self-mastery, but also just to keep them awake, you know? Stay awake, don't go to sleep over there. You know? Right. Because you have some really awesome things that you've just come online with in your family that I just think you should share. It's so good. Okay. Well, there's a few, um, and, and they evolve and they change with a lot of prayer. Um, but, um, one in particular was at one point I had a, not my oldest, I had another one that was struggling with some things and I, um, didn't know quite what it was. I didn't know if I, you know, you're trying to figure out if it's anxiety, if it's depression, if he's, looking at pornography regular, you know, what, what is it that he's doing? And, um, and he couldn't express himself very well. So I prayed about how to help him. And I remember the thought came to me, cut up some pieces of construction paper and they were a specific color. They weren't, they were, they were the color of his eyes. And we had this talk about how beautiful I love his, I love his color of his eyes. And this was a special thing for him. And so I cut up, some pieces of paper and I put him by his bedside table and I said, this is for when you need to talk, but you don't know how to talk and you don't know what to say to me. And then I, it's, it's going to be our code. And so I'm going to then come and find you and then I'll ask you questions and then you can share what you feel you can share. And so we did that a lot. I mean, we did that and did that. We've done it actually sometimes, you know, he'll say, Mom, it's kind of a, you know, kind of a blue card today, you know, or, and so I was like, okay, okay, let's, let's talk, you know, and so it's kind of continued, um, that communication. He wasn't good at expressing, he wasn't good at talking, but he wanted me to help him, but he didn't know how. So that was my way of helping, you know, him by saying, you know, let's talk. And so, uh, and so I sat and asked questions and we talked. Sometimes I talked more. Just so people get like ask questions, like like would you like say like give us an example of, or two of some of the questions you'd ask? Okay, so I would say you gave me a blue card, so 
of course, one of mine was a brown card. I mean, I tried it with all my kids, you know, how was school? Was, was, did you have a bad day at school? Did something happen at school where you felt uncomfortable? It'd be a yes or a no. Did you feel embarrassed when that happened? You know, that kind of thing. Um, I would say, did you see something inappropriate that you didn't want to, or that you accidentally did, or that you did it on purpose? And they would say yes or no. Do you, did brothers really mean to you today? They would say yes or no. I mean, so it, it was, um, it was kind of a, honestly, it was trying to, trying to get a needle out of a haystack to try and figure out what exactly was his thoughts. But I typically went to uncomfortable situations all the way to comfortable situations, meaning pornography or, you know, friends, school, family, church. That was kind of my little pocket of questions that I drew from um, because that was his world. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Any others for any other boys that you, um, so goodness. Well, just a few little tricks. We've just done funny things like because of what we've been through, we just, we are open about a lot of things in our family. And so, um, we were joking one night and we kind of were like, Hey guys, you've got two minute showers. Sorry. You know? Um, and if you can't keep it under two minutes, the hinges of the doors are coming off or all the locks on the doors. And they're like, what, what mom, you know, and we laugh about it, but we always keep a dialogue of some sort of, I'm reminding you we're here together. We're going to work on things together, but just so you know, you know, we're, we're aware. I know that we're going to continue to make you aware of what the struggles and the battles are. And, and if I've got one that I've read the book several times, if I've got one that, that I'm not for sure if they come home in a bad mood, I I'll say, well, how was school? It's kind of like the question and answer thing again, but I, I just probe them and we talk and we, and we talk openly and it's, and they come into my room and we have an open dialogue in my bedroom, sometimes on the bed. I just want them to feel comfortable expressing what they can. Although it, it, it can become exhausting with five. My husband's getting better at, at me saying, you know what, this might be a good one for dad. You know, hey dad, can you take over this, you know, this issue with school? Or this issue with basketball or sports or, you know, or whatever. You know, one of mine asked me, we always ask questions. One of them said, Mom, what is the church's view on masturbation? And I was like, well, let's see. And then I turned to my husband and I say, hey, you want to answer that one? He's like, oh, no, you're doing a great job. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, you need to. You've been the bishop. You have been in the state presidency. You can answer this question. And so we answered it together. But we always try and keep in dialogue of anything goes. And that doesn't mean that we're safe always. But that means I think that we're safer. And I think that we um, open to fighting together and helping each other. Yeah, totally. I love that you said that doesn't mean that we're always safe, but it means we're safer. Because mm-hmm. We do live in a war zone. It, yeah. it is real. It is real. Yep. It is every, and it's every day. It's every day. Yeah. So, and so I love your example of just trying to keep an open dialogue, no matter what that looks like, even mm-hmm. if it's as hard as finding a needle in a haystack. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because some kids, some moms might think, well, that kid just never talks. Right. You know what I mean? But to find a way to help them to have mm-hmm. a conversation, even though they're not really talking, right. you know, so that they don't hold a bunch of shame inside and never know how to say it or bring it out. I think that's so yeah. great. And I have become really good at becoming stoic. I'll share a quick story. I had one of my kids serving, preparing to serve a mission and it was a few weeks before he was leaving and he comes into the bedroom at night and he says that we've got to talk and he closes the door. Well, we're in our pajamas, we're in the bed and I'm thinking, get out of my room. <laughs> I don't want you in here. I don't want, I don't want to know. Don't tell me that, but I was so good at having this face of 
oh, okay, well, come on in. Let's talk. You know, and the whole time I've got my husband's hand under the cover and I'm grabbing it and I'm squeezing it as hard as I can thinking, please do not be another issue. Please do not be, I cannot deal with, you know. And he came in and he said, it's, you know, I've, I've got to, I've got to tell you some things before I leave on my mission. I've got to, you know, anyway, well, what it was, it was a, it was a funny thing actually, but he came in very serious and I thought, what, this is, this is not going to end up good. You know, he's, he's going to, you know, he's not done something that's been unworthy or, you know, whatever, but I was so stoic. And I think that was the, um, well, I'll finish telling you what happened. He ended up saying, when I was at my, he went to his, my sister's house and, and they snuck out at midnight because he was hungry and they went to Little Caesars to get a pizza, but he had to let me know. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah. You're like, what? it's almost like you're thinking, I was all worked up thinking it was going to be a huge fire and it was like Little Caesars at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I was prepared. But more than that, I was prepared in my stoic look. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Because I didn't want to shut him down. So I think as parents, as mothers, as leaders, if we can become on the inside controlled, I mean, on the outside, be really super controlled. And on the inside, you got the, the little, you know, the little things going on around you that those thoughts and those, oh goodness, you know, bad things stirring and emotions. And, um, but if we can be, if we can be stoic, um, or the stoic, the word doesn't sound right. Stoic sounds a little bit more negative, but if we can just be calm on the outside, then for the most part, I mean, look, this is, we were, we were evolving here. We don't just all of a sudden become that way. But if we can do one thing, like pretend like, this isn't going to shock me, mm -hmm. you know, then they're going to nonverbal reaction is going to allow them to come back to us. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of that, you know, make it till you make it cause you know, it's the right direction to go, but you don't know how to do it yet. But once you figure out now I know how to do me on the outside, even when I'm a mess on the inside. That's right. Right. That's so right. So right on. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got it. I bet you've mastered it too. <laughs> not always, but I do know what you're talking about. Right. Well, and I'm not always either, but I try really hard. So, uh, and Christy, just in closing, is there something that you would share with a mom in mama trauma with a mom? Just really that's there. Just an overarching thought. Something you might share. And mama trauma. I would say be patient. I would say love like you've never loved before. You might have to love with an emotional boundary. Um, meaning you can't control, but do all that you can to love. And I would say just keep swimming just keep getting up and doing the things that bring you peace and comfort in your life, whatever they are. And sometimes they will change daily. It may not be scripture reading that day. Honestly, scripture reading didn't help me. I was like, I am not, I cannot read another scripture. So I went to conference talks. I went to Mormon messages. I went to my husband for a blessing. I went to our bishop for a blessing. I, I always was looking for ways in that moment that I could just continue to try and swim and keep my head above the water. And, and every day looked different. And some days it was more monotonous and it worked. But I was allowed myself to be sad. I, wasn't as, I was, didn't allow myself as, to be as vulnerable. Um, but eight or nine years ago, it, it's not like it is now. There are women everywhere, everywhere in your wards, in your stakes, in your branches, your neighborhoods that are struggling with the same things that you're struggling with. You are not alone. You are not alone. And the Lord knows where you are and 
he knows that this is a hard thing. He knows that this is, um, that this is something that we're going to master one day and we're going to get better and our families are going to be wiser and our kids and grandkids are going to be strengthened because we're strengthened. Have hope and, and faith that good things will come. Beautiful. Thank you so much.